All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Crossing Swords. As always, I'm Andrew. And I'm here to educate in the most entertaining ways and teach you some things that maybe you didn't know about. But God damn it, you're grateful that you do now or by the end of the pod you do. Right, well, this might work. Yeah, I mean, that did not work. No, it did At all. No sound. <laughs> We're off to a good start, folks. Mastering the gear, mastering the gear. Luckily, it's not about technology or our use uh, and ability to master it. Today is Unsung Heroes. We yes. are going to tell you about some people that you probably haven't heard of. And I use the word probably because some of you might. You're smart people. You listen to the pod. You got that one in the bag. But you might not have. And you, I really think you should have. I really feel like I've missed the brief on this one, to be honest. I feel like I've just ended up making a list of people in the public domain that I like. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, sure. Does his list contain mostly supermodels? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Entirely composed of supermodels, or have you known. Supermodels and drug dealers, right? Yeah, but them two, put together. Like, if you can get a supermodel drug dealer, then you're in the money, really. I know, I've been trying for years. Apparently, I don't have the body. But, you know. Don't worry, mate. You start going to KFC more often, you can make the money. Power to the people. Absolutely. If I may kick things off. Yeah, please do. Because I feel like you've taken this far better than I have. There's one guy that kicked this all off. So this guy basically inspired the episode for me. He's someone I heard about years ago. Okay. Are you intimidated by my notes? Was that you were looking them up? I was looking at something down there. I don't know whether it was your notes. Uh, to be honest, I couldn't read your handwriting if I wanted to. To be honest, I can't read my handwriting, so this will be interesting. But we'll see how we get on. <laughs> the guy's name is Risto Reiti, and I apologise if I'm butchering that. Okay. And he basically, yeah, he, I heard about him a few years ago, and he just sort of inspired the whole episode. I was like, right, I've got to tell people about him. Okay. Um, so he was born 3rd of February, 1889, in Huytenen, Finland. He's okay. Finnish. He was born to a peasant farming family and he was one of seven sons. So he's very working class. Yep. Uh, he didn't really want the peasant life or whatever, so he went to University of Helsinki to study law and he graduated in 1909. In 1912, he qualified Master of Laws, so he took it to that next level. Oh, wow. In 1914, he went to Oxford to study maritime law, but World War One broke out and ultimately he had to come back before he started. Okay. Whilst he was at university, he uh, became good friends with one of the richest people in Finland named Alfred Cordelin, and he became his lawyer. Okay. And he was very much expected um, that he would mm, head up all of Alfred Cordelin's business interests. However, in 1917, uh, a Russian Bolshevik took them all hostage. This is Cordelin. What's a Bolshevik? uh, Right, is it like a leader or something like that? I mean, basically like a, a sort of extremist. Okay, that's fine. No, no, I was just so, curious. Um, I'd never heard the word Bolshevik, so thought it was worth asking. Sorry, guys, I'm a li- little bit, little bit under the weather, but we'll we'll power through. If you see me, Whoa. if you see me touching my Whoa. nose, it's got nothing to do with the COVID. Whoa. I wasn't warned. <laughs> no, of it's the, definitely it's of definitely the... COVID. You're fine. Oh, all right, fair enough. You're right. It's only COVID. Just as I'm job hunting as well. So I listen, 1917 took them all hostages. This is, this is uh, Roti, his wife, who he'd married when he came back from Oxford. Right, this is the Russian and people him. have taken him, yeah? The Russian extremists have taken him hostage and demanded that, that as his lawyer, Roti sign over all of Cordland's financial interests. Roti refused. The whole thing devolved into a gunfight. Cordland was killed. 
This is the rich finish dude. This is it? the rich finish dude. And Royalty was saved simply by the fact that uh the 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 guy who was aiming their gun at him had a malfunction. Uh, misfired. Misfired. And and that was literally it. He was saved. He then joined um an anti-Soviet liberal party called the National Progressive Party. Okay. And at 30 years old, in 1919, he became the second youngest MP in Finnish history. Okay. So he's quite an accomplished fellow. Very. He was an MP for two terms, 1919 to 1924 and 1924 to 1927. During that time, he did a bunch of shit, like a bunch of committees, a bunch. I mean, he was really... He was a busy man. He was a trusted man as well, yeah. Yeah. In 1921, during his first stint, he was appointed finance minister. Again, one of the youngest. That's you know, bearing in mind at that point, he's what, 32? Yeah. Um, and between 1923 and 1939, he was appointed the governor of the Bank of Finland. Okay. Um, so like the head of the Bank of Finland. Yeah, so that did stop for a reason, which we'll get to. Um, during his time as the finance minister... And the governor of the bank, he had great international relations. And actually, from the British uh, uh, royalty, he received a knight commander of the Royal Victorian Order it's in like 1934. It's pretty high, yeah. It's, I'm pretty sure it's that's one of high. the highest honours someone not British can be given. And he got that in 1934, so he would have been, what, 45? Jesus um, he also helped establish social welfare, welfare in Finland in the 1930s. Okay, so he's a bit of a lefty. In 1939, he was offered the role of Prime Minister. Right. Turned it down. Okay. Then the war broke out, mm. and in December, he accepted the position of Prime Minister, accepting the position he had to step down from the Governor of the Bank of England, uh, Finland, hence why he was only Governor till 1939. Okay. Russia basically was using the war... And Finland were neutral in the war, by the way. Finland, okay. that's their role in World War Two. However, um, Russia were essentially using the war to uh, invade and annex Finland. Imagine, right? Who could have seen that coming? Those, I mean, you just can't trust them. Dirty bastards. You think you know them, you think you're friends with the Russian government. and then Anyone who bam. thinks they're friends with the Russian government deserves to get screwed over by the Russian government. Uh, and, you know, Wrighty really didn't want this because, uh, as I've said, he's, he's he's very anti-Soviet. He joined an anti-Soviet party, anti-communist yeah. party. He's, he's really not for so it. So what happens next? What happens next is, uh, in 1940, late 1940, he stepped up and became president. So it's one of those countries that has a prime minister and a president. Oh, wow, okay. And again, one of the one of the youngest yeah. uh, presidents. It's usually much older guys. And here's the thing. So he realised that Russia were coming in and making moves. Yeah. He needed, you know, the, and Russia were on the side of us. Um, he needed help from the Germans and the Axis powers. So he signed an agreement with Germany and with Hitler's Germany oh. to help them come and fight off yeah. the Russians. This is where it gets, this is where I think it, it takes him to the hero status. Because he didn't sign an agreement between Finland and Germany. He signed an agreement between Aristo Raiti and Germany. Completely yeah, so absolving himself. Finland from any repercussions okay. from the war. Because Finland never sided with the Axis powers. He okay, did. so he, he gave himself over to being he remembered as a Nazi over. in he, favour he, of saving his people. And he resigned in 1944... 
where it went back to being governor for a brief time. However, for bringing the war to Finland and for siding with the Axis powers, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison in 1945. Jesus. In 1949, President Juho Pasekivi, and again, apologies on butchering it, pardoned yeah. him. Um, from that point on, he refused the life of politics. He died in 1956, buried with full presidential honours. Thank God. And I just think that man is a wow. hero uh, that more people you, should know. I would say after like the two or three minute mark, I was like, shit, where's this guy? <laughs> I was like, why am I learning about some Finnish lawyer? You know, um, but no, like full credit. I've got to admit, as soon as you were like, he signed up with the Nazis. I was like, oh, come on, bro. I know, I heard, I heard. Because um, I was like, we, we can't go celebrating a, a Nazi sympathizer. Um, although we still do it to this day, there's uh, I can't remember which fashion brand it is, but is it? Oh, oh one of them made the uniforms, didn't for they? For the Nazis, yeah. Um, Calvin Klein or one of them. But no, he obviously had an extraordinary life, and he gave up the end of his life. To and you could tell save. from from early doors, he had a really strong moral code. Yeah, yeah, and the fact if, at first he didn't want to take a really senior position and be prime minister or president because. Well, for whatever his reasons were, I'm assuming it was maybe because he didn't want all of that responsibility. Who knows? I, I don't. Um, but I'm guessing for his people, he stepped up and did quite amazingly from the sounds of things. No fair play. I mean, to be honest with you... It's going to take a tonal, tonal <laughs> shift, it's right? It's going to take such a tonal shift. Like, the way I've sort of done this today, um, and it might be sort of a nice juxtaposition because Jake's coming quite Hot. serious and heavy and I'm coming in very... Light and breezy. Light and breezy is a nice way to put it. Another one is shallow. <laughs> but like I broke mine down into like sections. Like my first one was acting and I picked three actors that I really like. That in fairness I I I didn't go for like obvious actors to a degree. I wanted to go for actors that I felt don't perhaps have the spotlight, not A Spotlight. Not A list. Maybe you could argue one of them is. Um but the first one was Hugh Jackman. He's got to be up there, hasn't he? Nowadays, yeah. I would say he is, but I think he's not known for still, I would say, like, his actual acting ability. He's known for singing now, singing yeah, Wolverine. whereas like, I feel like throughout his career, he's done some really good films. There's films like Prisoner and The Prestige. Uh, the, and, yeah, Prisoner took me so um, by surprise. It was um, not what I was mate, expecting at all. Anyone who wants to watch a film and just be like, what the fuck? Sit and watch The Prisoner, honestly. Agreed. Um, and it's as Jace, and it's the last thing you'd expect to see Hugh Jackman in as well. Um, so yeah, I put him down, and I put worked. And what I like about him is that he has started off humble from stage acting and being on stage singing to acting in big films, and obviously becoming Wolverine, and now probably the most famous, as Jake said, for being um, P.T. Barnum in The Greatest Showman. I always so, really like the story he told on the Graham Norton show where he talked about this song where he couldn't hit the high notes on stage. So every night he'd pretend the mic cut out just as it got to that bit of the song. Yeah. And he'd like look to the side <laughs> of the stage and be like, guys, what, what? Oh, it's back, it's back, it's back, I'm good. But like, and then one of the things that endeared me even more to him recently, is I don't know if you've seen it, um, there's like a little mini documentary about Daniel Craig as James Bond. I haven't. And uh, one of the things Daniel Craig, with particularly after the first film and the second, was he basically locked himself away at home and didn't want to leave the house, hated being that famous and found it really, really difficult uh, to the point that he was seriously considering whether he was going to continue on or not. Um, and he ended up doing a uh, play on stage with Hugh Jackman 
Okay. And, and they were the two main stars. And he said, um, having worked with you, and he said his wife calls him the senator because he just goes out there and speaks to absolutely everybody, signs everyone's pictures, takes all the photos. And so it forced him at first. It's sort of a guilt thing of, like, oh, fuck, I better go out there as well. But he said in the end it became something that was fun. He became more comfortable with it and made him feel comfortable continuing on as James Bond. It forces you to deal with it a little bit. It forces yeah, yeah. you to... Um, so I just feel like he's an unappreciated actor. I'll go for that. Uh, another one was Sir Ian McKellen. Love Sir Ian. I think Sir Ian is just... I like just... As an actor, as a human being, I love how flamboyantly gay he is and flirty he is. Um, and he's played some incredible iconic roles, not just from my childhood, but throughout my whole life. So, um, and uh, yeah, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Uh, and then the third one I put was Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, I've Rush definitely under Although, did he win the Oscar for um, Shakespeare in Love, Best Supporting Actor? <laughs> And he might have won Best Supporting Actor for the King's Speech. But oh, he is under... Well, pro- no, yeah, no, 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 no. I still don't think he's like... Appreciated by the yeah, Academy, sure, but maybe but not, not by the by, common man. No, no. Um, and then I put three honourable mentions, uh, John Malkovich, Denzel Washington and Liam Neeson. Love him. I mean, it, I would say if you've never seen the Liam Neeson clip from Life's Too Short, mm-hmm. just type in Liam Neeson, stand up, Life's Too Short, or just Liam Neeson. It's one of the funniest, what, three, four minutes that you'll ever watch in your life. Really? Honestly, every time it makes me laugh out loud. I mean, there's like, not to give it away anything, but he goes into Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. He's like, I'm going to try some stand-up. I'm going to try some comedy. And they're like, okay. And he's like, well, we'll try some improv. And it kind of goes into it. It's really funny. And at one point, he, he just sort of stops Ricky Gervais. He goes, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm just, I'm, you know, doing the improv. And he's like, well, that's not a backstory we agreed upon. <laughs> and it's just, it's super funny. Yeah, and I think, I just... He's been in so many, again, like Liam Neeson, he's been in iconic roles throughout my life, like from Star Wars, uh, uh, Aslan in um, Narnia. Um, It's been all sorts of stuff. And then obviously I loved him in the Taken films, as a lot of people did. He's obviously on a bit of a downward curve in terms of public opinion after his uh, extreme honesty. Oh, the racism thing. About having a racist period when he was younger. Um, but no, other than that, I think he's awesome. Yeah, I'll go for that. I think some some fine choices for actors. Yeah. So, do you want to do one of yours now? So we'll go Shall back like to another a, tonal shift. A more tonal shift again. Yeah. Okay. So this is well. Do you know what? This isn't as much of a tonal shift. Okay. And you might have had this guy on your list. So apologies if you do. No, that's fine. This is a sports star. Okay. His name is, and you you you're probably more into sports and sports trivia than I am in terms of. You'll probably know this. I don't know. Your general knowledge is really good. I know, but I think you might, you might come across anyway. His name is Rogerio Seni, or Cheni. I don't know how to pronounce it. Born twenty second of January nineteen seventy three in Branco in Brazil. He started at Sinop in nineteen ninety. Okay. And then between nineteen ninety three and two thousand fifteen, he played eight hundred seventy two games for Sao Paulo. Is this the goalkeeper? He scored. He scored one hundred and three goals. Yeah, yeah. From I goal, have, I, could, I wouldn't have been able to remember his no. name. No, and he made eighteen appearances for uh, Brazil between ninety seven and two thousand six. Three kicks, if I remember correctly. Well, here is the thing. Yeah, no goals for Brazil, but he took he took sixty two free kicks out of those one hundred and three goals. Yeah, he's got he a took some penalties, but he's also scored some open 
Yeah, yeah. Play stuff. Yeah, like and this is what I like. So between color. between 2005 and 2007, he scored an impressive 47 goals. Yeah. I mean, you'd be proud with that if you were a striker, wouldn't you? Yeah, it would In that period? Yeah. And he won, during that time, he won two national championships and the 2005 Club World Cup where he won man of the match beating Liverpool in the final. Oh, wow. What, um, what club was he at the time? Sao Paulo. Oh, wow. Fair enough. So he's done all right for himself, and yeah, that's no, it. it's just when you see it and you see the numbers. There was a period where he was doing the rounds on like everyone was like he was forever scoring free kicks. Oh, maybe he's not as unsung as I. No, no, no. I, I definitely no, 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 no. no. He's definitely not like a household name. No, but you obviously you knew you knew him. Uh, yeah, I just wouldn't have known his name, so I would no. say that's a fair description of a unsung hero. But yeah, that's I just remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, from goal, I was like 103. Goals in 870 appearances yeah. is not bad. You'd be, you know, if you were like a midfielder, you'd think that's all right. That's a that's decent return. Better than all right, to be fair. I think a lot of players go through their whole career without getting that many goals, especially ones that aren't in goal. And there you go, goalkeeper. So short and sweet, but there you go. Not so much of a total shift. Um, well, in terms of sportsmen, on my sports page of my choices, I put my number one unsung hero in sports is Alan Shearer. Okay. Um, he was my favourite player growing up for quite a long time because um, I enjoyed watching him play for England because at the time it always felt like he was the only decent player. <laughs> um, and like looking back, when you see his scoring record, it, there's no one who's touched him in the Premier League. No, fastest to, to um, 100 quite yeah. easily, isn't he? And he's like to this day, he's still not been... Considering the talent there's been in the league, the Sergio Aguero's of this world, Harry Kane, um, all of those, like Rooney, Thierry Henry, for all of those to have come and gone and not beat his record, I think is quite I think impressive. it's a crime, by the way, that Sergio yeah. Aguero's never won Premier League Player of the Year. Yeah. I mean, I, he's always competing against other you know players, what I, I get think that. when against him, that he doesn't speak English. I genuinely think that's what went against him. Ne- it never felt like... From a public persona and from what I've heard off of uh, people I've watched online who know people at Man City, he was very engrossed in the local area, but for whatever reason chose not to learn English. And I think that, I think that went against him. Fair enough. Um, and also, like he scored a lot of goals and like some fantastic goals, but he was never a. I don't know. Like you wouldn't watch him go past four players and bang one top corner. It was very rare. No, he was very hard work thing. though. Very industrious. Oh, absolutely. And like he, when he, when Pep joined Man City, the number one thing we all knew was that he wanted to get rid of Sergio Aguero, and yet he was still there. Was it three years later? It's only this season that he's left. So, um, <coughs> yeah. Then my number two was Wayne Rooney. Um, I know, obviously, he's a huge household name, but I think in general there is a large percentage of the population. He gets a lot of hate that do not like him. And I do, like, look, I'm not going to sit here and try and defend all the shit he's done because he's done some stupid shit. Um, But I think when people, like, talk about him on a footballing level, I think that definitely comes into it. Well, yeah, I remember having Um, a debate with someone who said, oh, he's not, he's he's shit for England. Like, he's literally England's top goal scorer. You do not get to 53 goals for your country without being good, at least decent. Yeah, and, like, look, there's obviously Um, arguments in there about friendly penalties, all that sort of thing, but it doesn't really matter if you look at his career overall. And like to have got to that level of goals, considering how consistently throughout his career he got sacrificed for other players, for me it just stands out even more. And then when you have players that have like still at the top level at an old age, like Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo and others, when they're asked who their favourite person to play with throughout their career has been, 
he comes up because he was just... Fair enough, didn't know that. Yeah, Ronaldo says one of his favourite ever players to have ever worked with was Wayne Rooney. Ibrahimovic still sings his praises um, just because of his all-around game. Um, and then my third was David Beckham. Just, I love He's David come Beckham. up on the pod before. And again, I think just... Um, in terms, again, you look at his career, he had his up and downs where like, he was hated by the country. Didn't, we do, an epi- off didn't we do an episode where you essentially sort of decided that you had an agreement with Victoria Beckham that it would be, she'd be cool if you if you slept with him? I do remember <laughs> that coming up, yeah. So it's not a, sh- a shock I put on my list, but also I think he's built an incredible like empire around his and Yeah, and as you said, he was hated for a period. He was hated for quite a while. Um but what I think he did that was more impressive, and I don't know who negotiated it, but like he managed to get this deal, was that when he joined the MLS as a player, he had it in his contract to buy into the league as an owner. And he set that price at £20 million, which at the time was the standard rate. Um, and then by the time he created uh, Inter Miami, although I think they might have changed the name, um, that buy-in was worth £100 million. Smart. Um, and they did try and work around whether they could do him over but yeah Adam bent over a barrel <laughs> good man um, good man yeah and no, I've so always just, liked Beckham and then my three honourable mentions Perlo Ronaldinho and this one will make you laugh go on Damo I love Damo just because I and, and love like, most people won't have any idea who Damo is it's Damien Delaney he was a centre back for Crystal Palace uh, mainly from the season we got promoted to a couple of years afterwards yeah and I just remember having um, only just become a season ticket holder, but I've been to some Palace games before, and quite frankly, they weren't ever very any good. And that's not being horrible; it's just the truth of the matter at the time. No need to say it. Um, but when Damo joined, it was like we it was like a team of average players, rogues. and he just fuck, he was a monster. He and was he, a beast. He had an amazing pass the on crossfield him. ball. Yeah, the Damo abs- crossfield ball. The amount of times I've been sat there watching just a diagonal seventy yarder pumped up the pitch. Um, but yeah, just a little bit of love. For and Damo. he's a great, he's a great um, character in the dressing room. If anyone's ever watched, um, is it Where Eagles Dare? When yeah, Eagles when Dare. Eagles Dare. Yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime thing on Palace. And, Which, and by the way, out of all of the most recent football documentaries, like all of the All or Nothing ones and uh, the Sunderland I don't really one, rate the All or Nothing ones. Uh, they're okay. The Man City one I liked just because it gave an insight into how um, much Pep swears. That's all I got well, from it. <laughs> well, no, just his working method and that he had. There's a full time member of staff just for him to scream at, basically. But anyway, uh, out of all of the. Uh, doc- out of all the documentaries, um, the Palace one got like... The yes, it is anyway, definitely that's, that's by the by. Um, have you got, say, uh, another one to share with us, young Jack? Oh, boy, have I. Oh, boy, have I. My next one is a lady by the name of Elizabeth Garrett Anderson. Okay, name doesn't uh, ring a bell to me, but that doesn't mean... Um, also got an honourable mention, by the way. Not necessarily like a, an unsung year or whatever, but Septimus Severus is a, a Roman emperor, served from 193 to 211. Okay. Um, he was the first black Roman emperor. Oh, wow. Born in Libya. I was going to say, is that Af- Africa? Or, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, because they did have a big foot in Africa at one point. Just, right? you know, just an interesting... Well, no, I don't, no idea about that. Anyway, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson and this woman, my goodness. She was born 9th of June, 1836 in Whitechapel. Yeah. And after meeting a couple of American feminists at the time, she decided uh, she wanted to be a doctor. So she went to nursing college in Middlesex and attended a few medical classes. However, 
the all-male students of the medical classes complained and had her barred. Is this because she was a woman? Yeah, they didn't like the idea that there was a woman in the class. Um, However, undeterred, she used a loophole in the system that actually didn't ban women from taking the tests. Okay. So, uh, in 1865, she passed the exams. Nice. However, um, first of all, she wasn't recognised by the authorities, the British Medical Authorities, and they actually, in 1865, she passed, and in 1866, they changed the rules to make sure that women couldn't take the exams, which is good, right? I mean... Do you know what? When you hear about what, like, genuine bona fide institutions, whether it's our government or, like, governing bodies the way that we treated people in the past for the most ridiculous reasons. It does my idea. And you wonder how we'll look back on some of this stuff now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now. Yeah, although, do you know what? While we've been sat here, I've just thought of an unsung hero for later. I'm not going to interrupt, but no, please continue. Oh, you can do it. Um, no, it just made me think of um, Alan Turing. Yeah. Starting um, to get the love thanks to the film, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, no that's how that's how I learned about him. To be honest with you, I had I'd heard of the tu- uh, the Turing test, um, but I didn't know what it was or who yeah, he incredibly was. Incredibly sad life. Um, uh, but yeah, you know you, that that man played a major I mean, do give, role. Give a brief. Uh, I mean, Alan Turing, for anyone who doesn't know, was a uh, oh, he's a mathematician. Yeah, mathematician. Yeah, and he um, ended up working for the military trying to decode the um, Enigma machine or the enigma, the enigma code rather and he succeeded um because of his success and it, it wasn't on his own obviously he had a team but it was because of him um and that allowed them to make the plan to for d-day and to change the tide of the war and inevitably lead us on to win um and we repaid him by um chemically castrating him or giving him the choice of being chemically castrated or put in prison for being gay. Yep. Um, and he chose chemical castration and then shortly thereafter committed suicide. It's horrible. He has since been thing. pardoned and honoured by the Queen currently, I yeah. believe, recently. But that's, as Jake said, mean. I think that's since the film. And I remember just watching that film and I actually felt quite disgusted afterwards and it made me really ashamed. Uh, to be from this country because when you hear stuff like that you just think oh, Jesus boy. You, Christ you should stay away from history books it is not going to oh, do you mate, any favours no absolutely absolutely um, but no please continue sorry with your one so wait, wait, so they've changed the rules she's not recognised yeah. uh, in 1876 so n- 11 years after she passed the exams the new medical act was passed that allowed British medical authorities to uh, license all qualified people, regardless of gender. Yeah, so they didn't do it for women, they just did it. Like, regardless. They were like, yeah. if they're qualified, you know, recognise yeah. them. However, in the meantime, in the interim period, she was very keen to get a medical degree, so she went to Paris to get one. <laughs> so she's quite a determined woman. Yeah. Um, in 1872, she started uh, London New Hospital for Women, staffed entirely by women. Nice. Um, although again, none of them would actually be recognised for another four years. Stuff like that back then, with so many people against them. She was also huge on suffrage throughout her life, and her yeah. daughter took up that mantle as well, and actually spent time in prison in 1912 for Being protest of, of, of women's suffrage. In 1874, she helped form the London School of Medicine for women, um, and in 1883 she was made dean and oversaw a huge expansion of that school. Really? 
She retired in 1902 to Alderberg, Suffolk. Um, you'd think, lovely little, she's had a really hard-fought life. She's yeah, really Suffolk pushed herself. Nice she's gone to retire. And in 1908, she became mayor of the town, becoming <laughs> the first female mayor in England. Fucking hell. So she enough. is a real, real Do you pioneer. people like that, like, once they've hit that one goal, so obviously, like, trying to become a qualified doctor and everything like mm-hmm. that, you know, they achieve that and they go, oh... What next? Like, what do I do now? Or what else can I be the first at doing? And then even like when she should be retiring in, you know, nice sort of stuff, it's like, do you know what? I'm not done. And you do wonder, like, do they ever have that thought of like, it's just be another first. I mean, looking first. up, it's like, has a woman ever been mayor? Just chasing Okay, yeah, I will. The thing is, there's no Google back then, so she can't no. Google, has there been female mayor in England? She can't do it. No, I mean, she, could, she would actually be taken off to the mental health. Yeah, she could like have hysteria. sat there and gone, hey, uh, do you remember, was it Ask Jeeves? Hey, oh, Jeeves. Yeah, Jeeves was probably around back Jeeves then, to be was fair. The dude, Jeeves was mate. probably around in the, in mate, the late that, 19th century. There'll be, there might be some people listening to this going, what the fuck is Ask Jeeves? It was pre-Google, bro. That was the one you went to. Do you know to. what I remember from Ask Jeeves? Is I just remember being a, a, like a young teenager. Just, or, you know, like a pre-teen or whatever. And just asking flip. Jeeves, Ask Jeeves, Jeeves, are you gay? <laughs> Jeeves, do you yeah, like people this? Do, that do now you with like Alexa, that? Don't know. They ask it silly questions. Um, oh, big yeah. shout out to to when we were around our friend's house who has an Alexa, and we shouted like Alexa, buy Ferrari or whatever. And it was linked to his dad's <laughs> account, and he had to tell his dad, "Oh, by the way, you've got to get on and cancel that order." <laughs> Love that. So yeah, died in nineteen seventeen, uh, a, a ripe old age because she was born in when was she born? Eighteen thirty six. That's not bad innings. No, not bad at all. And she did well in that time. She did really well. She honestly huge huge chat. Oh, no, absolutely, is, definitely. Like I said, an Elizabeth Garrett Anderson definitely, definitely, definitely needs Boom. to be remembered. You know the fact that she, like I said, she became a doctor. They were like, we don't, we don't recognise you as a doctor. So she was like, well, I'm going to keep practicing you know medicine what anyway. Made it like, all that shit. No, no, no. Oh, go on. <laughs> no, you bring it it's down. Probably not a bring good thing down. to say. No, no, bring no. no, no. I chose not to. Bring it down. No, you can't. You cannot say on a podcast, particularly like this. Uh, I was, oh, I was, I was gonna, gonna say, like, it would have made it even more impressive as if she wasn't white. Hold on to your hat. Oh fuck! Are you telling me she was? No, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She was. She I'd was have white. been stripping off. Like, ah! Yeah. There's always a barrier to overcome, though, isn't there? So even like, you know, no, no, no. But absolutely, I mean, like, look, I'm not dem- that does not make her um, achievement any less impressive. Um, right, I've got a couple more there. I think I might skip the music one to be honest, because I just don't really think it's relevant. To Are the... you ashamed? No, I'm not ashamed at all. I mean, I can tell you who I put if you really do. You have Moby on your list. Moby? No, I did not have Moby. That's a f- the only time I've ever heard of Moby was How I Met Your Mother. Beyond that, I wouldn't have known who Moby was. Well, we try to remain no gimmicks. Right, yeah. well, whatever makes you happy. Um, so just for music, I'll go... <laughs> uh, number one, I put Dave Grohl slash Foo Fucking Fighters. imagine Dave Grohl making um, your list. Number two, Shine Down. Uh, number three, I put Hans Zimmer. Because it yeah. doesn't matter what... Fi- like, I think so film scores films, in general are underrated, aren't they? Absolutely. And like any... Loads of my all-time favourite films, when I look at who's done the music, it's Hans Zimmer. So I just thought, no, The music has a real effect on the film, yeah. and if, if you get it right, it kicks it to another level. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And then my honourable mentions were Green Day, first album I ever bought, uh, Busted. And Dave Grohl again. Uh, <laughs> I then put Hot Chocolate. 
That was the first. I like hot it, chocolate. I remember being a little kid, uh, and I'd just been given a hand-me-down cassette player, but it was like such a big deal. Um, and the first ever cassette I got to buy with my money, and it cost me a pound, and I remember buying it, was a uh, cassette of hot chocolate, you sexy thing, and it came with a couple of bonus tracks. Everyone's a winner is one of the first riffs I learned. Yeah, see, my... F- it's a good... Ever since then, I, to this day, I could recite you sexy thing without i just used to listen to it on repeat I as mean, a kid having to rewind it wait for it to please reel. do another pod perhaps um and then the last one was acdc just for obvious reasons um uh and then uh i'll probably well shine down you went to see shine down didn't you yeah shine down i've been a fan for for a while and it, it was the first concert i ever went to and i went with uh two of my closest friends one Lindsay, who lives in norfolk Shout out to Lindsay, who will um, be listening Hi, to the Lindsay. pod. And the other two are good friends and football correspondent, Mr. Ashley Jones, again, who we know is Hi, listening. Ash. So, Hi, Ash. Uh, and I went with them and it was just, we were like right at the front. It was a small venue. There was only a, there was no more than a thousand people, I would say. And it, it was just very intimate and amazing. And there was a brilliant moment where... Small venue for us. Thousands nothing really to... Well, no, someone yeah, like yeah, us, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a small well, no, I'd be happy to play there, but like in terms of a world touring band, it's not. I just meant us on the pod, you know, it's like a thousand. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a no, step no, but down. Like, in terms of like, if you go to see a big artist on stage, normally you're looking north of 5,000, 10,000 plus. Um, but it was, I think it was one of the last nights of their world tour. But uh, there was a really nice moment where uh, he was doing some sort of chat about friendship and stuff. And I put my arms around Ash and Lindsay and he saw us appointed at us and he was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And we were like, oh, he told to us. Um, so, yeah, that was a nice moment. Um, and, yeah, so and obviously Foo Fighters just think they're arguably one of the best rock bands of all time. So. Well, you've listed them. Walk us, through, walk us through them. Tell us a bit, of, you know, like a little sentence or two about, you know, why you, why they made the list. Uh, well, Foo Fighters, they were just like the first band that really made me fall in love with um, sort of rock and roll music. And then I sort of went backwards from them. So I started with Foo Fighters and then found ACDC, Led Zeppelin and things like that. So that they sort of introduced me to rock music and my love for rock music. So that's why they're my number one. Um, so that's why for me they always come ahead of Queen because I'd sort of discovered my love of Queen Through after them. my love of Foo Fighters. So uh, Green Day, as I said, that was the first album I ever bought. That was the American Idiot album. Loved it. Uh, and then as I said, Hot Chocolate was my first ever cassette. Busted was uh, just a group I really liked as a teenager and I've been yeah, to I see always them felt, twice. I always thought they were really unlucky to be put into the boy band category because it feels like they were a bit above that. They were a bit, but not, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. above that. There that really puts down boy bands. There you go, we've done boy bands this episode. That's who we're fucking off. Well, no, you're but, fucking but off boy, boy bands. bands. I've said like, I'm a fan of Busted. Boy bands were like properly produced, you know, we're going to really yeah, mass yeah. appeal the well, market. I mean, where Busted what... actually sort of wrote their own songs and kind of really Yeah, they did, to be fair. And, um, wanted to make good pop music. They're also, they put on a fucking good show. I've been to see yeah, them twice and show. they're very good live. So, yeah, and then bro. ACDC, I just love loads of their songs. They have some of the best guitar riffs I've ever heard Yeah, they're life. good riffs, and, ACDC. They are good riffs. And, um, yeah, they never fail to get me going, I guess. So, yeah, those are my choices for music. Would any of them make a sex playlist for you? I don't mean. I don't mean if you ask them, would they put one together for you? I mean, would the problem they is, like, what's the, the point of doing a p- playlist? I'm just about lasting a song if I'm lucky. So I might. What about, what about little montage? You sort of cram them all together. <laughs> I know, and I, I haven't got the editing skills. As those who watch this will know, to put off that sort oh, of thing. Don't do yourself down. Don't do yourself down. <laughs> I'm not that sort of good though. So yeah. those are those ones. What's your next one? My next one. 
we're going back to the world of sport, sort of. Okay, cool. So some of you may or may not know this name when I say it out loud. Walter Tull. That's T-U-L-L, Tull. Doesn't ring a bell. Born 28th of April 1888 in Folkestone, Kent. Uh, in 1909 to 1911, he played for Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. And in 1911 to 1914, he, the larger part of his career, he played for Northampton Town. Okay. World War One broke out in 1914, as we all know. Please tell me. He had a very good career in the army. Yeah. He became sergeant. Okay. Then he started training to be an officer. Yep. There was a problem. He's black. Oh, okay. However, a committee decided to allow it. Okay. And he became the first ever black British officer. And he led several successful campaigns, mostly through Italy. Yeah. Uh, including leading uh, plenty of white guys as well. Uh, white soldiers. And, and that was a very impressive like, thing. Describing it as you do, and this isn't a, a dig at you at all, and it would be the same if I was doing it. It's... it's it, It's minimalising his life. Yeah, it's it's trivialising it, not minimalising it. that would have been. Huge. To be a black man back then. I mean, even... No, I wouldn't say even now, obviously not, but... No, but especially back then, it was... Oh, mate, can you imagine the abuse he'd have been getting from his own people? Well, that's the thing, that you know, from people that weren't working under him, abuse, but actually his own soldiers... They would have followed him quite long. They really liked him, they were really fond of him, and they spoke very, very highly of him. Sadly, um, in... On the 25th of March, 1918, in northern France, he led his men, as was ordered, um, for a push into no man's land. Uh, nobody was ever recovered. That's sad. He never made it back. Um, but he was a true, true, true hero. A war, you know, a, a yeah. military hero. And, and, and you said if he was you the just, first ever Well, this officer. is the thing. If you just read his, his military career, you think that is a very successful and, and honoured Military career. Then you had the idea that he was black. Yeah. And it was like, Jesus, it kicks it out to another level. Like I said, they actually had to have a committee to decide whether he would be allowed to continue training as an officer. There should be statues of or commemorations of, and, you know, like we romanticize a lot of the past, but you don't hear enough of real stories like that. And then you don't get enough of of the truth either. Um, so no, I think people like him deserve a lot more credit than they get to have been Agreed. the first black officer in our military. That's no small thing. It's no small thing at all. It's really not. And and like I said, you know, he was obviously... You must be doing something right to even be put forward for... Yeah, to for train them as to an have officer. even considered him Given at all. He must have been an know, outstanding soldier. You know, all of his um, all of his superiors would have known, I've never seen a black officer. Yeah, Even yeah. if they don't know that there's never been one, they know that they've never worked with one. So to suggest well, this do you guy, know what? It, what what that tells me is that there was enough. There is always enough people to know racism is wrong, even yeah. when it's widely accepted. Um, because in general, I like to believe people are decent. So no, that's it's that's a good one. I like that. Oh, good. I'm I'm pleased. No, no uh, do you know what? I'm actually not minding the way this has worked out today, actually. When, when you told me, like, particularly when I started hearing your first one, I was like, oh, do you know what? Mine are really light. But no, I think it's a nice balance because we go from sort of hot, cold, yeah. light, dark, you know, it's quite nice. Uh, so my next one's I did comedy. And uh, I put Ricky Gervais as number one. And again, I know, like, in terms of, 
a bit like Jeffrey Rush in terms of the people involved in that industry. I would say recognise Ricky Gervais as a top comedian, writer, and comedic actor and director. But in, again, there's a large chunk of people, and I think the media don't like him. And again, it's it's obvious as to why he's very outspoken. Very yeah, I think he does a lot. Thinks. I think he gets a lot right. But I think there's a couple of topics where I think I don't. I don't know. I it's a bit questionable now. You know, James Acaster does a bit on him. Okay. Where he sort of comes out and he talks about, and he does this thing. He doesn't mention Ricky Gervais till right at the end. He goes, "I'm not allowed to mention Ricky Gervais because apparently Ricky Gervais is more popular than this thing that he's, you know, doing kind of thing." Because yeah, yeah. he says he holds does the whole thing. He's like, he's like people like he says, "I don't like comedians that pick on the trans community." He said okay. because they're like, you know, their whole thing is like, "It's my job. It's my job." You know, I, I hold a mirror up and I, you know. I reflect back and, you know, I'm I'm meant to say what no one else can say kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And they're like, a oh, comedian, he's like, well, yeah, but that's great. He's like, but do you know who doesn't get stamped on enough? The trans community. <laughs> and he was like, and that's the thing, he's like, apparently Ricky Gervais is more popular than transphobia. Okay. Or transphobia is more popular. He's like, it's, apparently it's okay for me to say that, but as soon as I mention Ricky Gervais, people are like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I don't know if I feel comfortable. Well, no, no, but, I but know, he does get, he does, I, I agree think he's definitely pushed I do agree on the boundaries on stuff. Having like listened to Ricky Gervais talk about like how he jokes and how he structures it, that changed my thinking on it because before I'd just heard like oh he made a joke about the Holocaust and stuff like that, um, without having actually even heard it and like even now like my mum before couldn't stand him, but having been exposed to stuff that she's had to watch just because I've had it on or whatever, she's gone. Do you know what he's actually? You saying about the Holocaust? Do you know my favourite Holocaust joke? I'm sure you know it. Is it the David Baddiel one? David Baddiel yeah, one. It's such, yeah, it's such yeah. a good I joke. I can't remember the joke, but I remember when I heard it, I was like, yeah, that is Well, good. it's just, you know, Jewish guy yeah. gets to heaven, makes a joke about the Holocaust to God, and God's like, oh. That's not funny. Yeah, I don't know about that. And he's like, oh, well, no, I guess you had to be there, kind of thing. And it's like... Uh, and yeah, and then I think, I, I just think he's a brilliant writer. Like, I love, I've fallen in love with Afterlife. Watched it, yeah, yeah, I think um, it's all right. And I, I know obviously it's a very widely popular show, uh, but I tell you what, it was the scene that got me is because he's not afraid to be emotional with it. Like, there was a bit, um, he was talking to he meets an old lady and talks to her a lot on the bench in the yeah. graveyard, and there's a bit where he talks about that he couldn't hold it together for his wife and that he broke down and he'd wished he'd given it to her. And the first time I saw that scene, it's a very similar thing to how I feel with my dad when he was unwell and it just absolutely floored me and I like broke down into tears and it's just there's not many people on the planet that can write to that standard I'd say something that Ricky Gervais has done that I find really underappreciated I think the invention of lying is quite an underappreciated film it's a very funny film I watched that recently I'd say now the one that I the Ricky Gervais thing that always 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 I think Extras is one of the greatest TV shows on the planet I love it love it love it I still haven't finished watching it I watched the first um, season I think I, there's the office there's there's certain scenes in the office that will just always always make me laugh See, the problem for me i watched the american office first yeah so i then found it jarring trying <coughs> to watch the english one so i never uh, went through with it to be honest with you i watched a couple of episodes and gave up but yeah no 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 that, that's fair okay go on uh i've then put james corden because like interesting everyone, he does get a lot of hate but obviously he does and that's Gavin the thing stacy's you know for like, i just Everyone I talk to now about James Corden, the one thing that comes up, it's got a big bit big for his boots, hasn't he? And it's 
Do you know what? He always comes across really humble. I know people say that he fakes it. I, I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. Having I've, I've watched a few like in-depth interviews he's done and he seems like he's just absolute... He's always over the moon. And, like, Grateful for he's where he is. To where yeah. he is. Um, and like, then it's like <laughs> my missus, like, it might be my mum maybe, when uh, it was announced he wasn't coming back to do League of Their Own anymore, they were like, oh, fucking typical. And it, him and Jack White, all the both of them, yeah. Fucking got too big. It's like, no, they're just... They're well, moving on with con- their careers. No, they're he's moving. contracted to do a job that prevents him yeah. doing that one. It's that simple, so... No, I, I, I think... And, yeah, Gavin and, and Stacey again, yeah, is up, there with, his early is up career, there with extras as one of the greatest um, sitcoms I love Gavin and Stacey. Ever. And then it's everything that came after it as well. It's the sketches. My, my all-time favourite TV sketch, probably, is the George Michael one. Yeah, the, the comic the, relief. The karaoke. And not just that bit that you've then got the round table where you've got... Uh, there was Justin Bieber, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney. They had like all of JLS involved. Oh, I will just going back to Richard um, Bates. He did my favourite ever Red Nose Day appeal, comic relief appeal. What was that? Where they're sitting in the st- it cuts back and they're in the studio and Stephen Merchant comes along and he's like, "Oh, you're right, mate. What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm doing the." He's like, "Don't you have to come out to Africa?" He's like, "There's no point, is there? I'm just doing it. They don't know the difference." And then it holds. You know, Jamie Oliver comes along. He's like, "Oh, can I jump in?" And you've got all of them crammed into this like yeah, fake tent studio, and hearing that. about this guy tell them about this really touching story. It's just brilliant. Yeah. As every celebrity turns up, they're like, "Oh yeah, can I have a bit of that?" Um, yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. Uh, go on. Who's who else? Uh, Greg Davis, Taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. the Taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. He Not- makes such that I can see why they got rid of why they demoted Alex Horn. Was he the head of it then? So the the origins of Taskmaster was it was it was him and his mates like their stupid games wasn't it? Well, it was his Edinburgh show. It was his show Edinburgh Fringe. So he did it with oh, some okay. of the um, TV execs around the world. So in the build yeah, up yeah. to the thing, he got all these TV execs, which is very clever, gets them on board, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they picked it up, but they were obviously like, "Look, you can you can be the little um, guy that does this task, they, but we need no someone one else who could have done." Yeah. What Greg Davis does, agreed. It? And and to be fair, I think Alex Horn is perfect on it. Sometimes I watch it if I'm not in a bit of a sad mood. I'm like, he needs to stop being so horrible to him. <laughs> um, but other than that, I just think about and like, look. Ultimately, yes, it's sad. Someone who created something amazing doesn't get to be the the main face of it. But he sat there, right? But like, he would have made money from this. He's, he, you know, his career will be secure for quite a while. Um, and yeah, I just think, and then. On top of that, I think Greg Davis is a very good stand-up comedian as well. Yeah, um, and obviously, iconically for I'd say our generation, he was um, uh, Gilbert, Mr. Gilbert, Mr. Gilbert in um, in, in between us, which again, he just plays no a one scary else could have done it. Yeah, so well. And then on top of that, whenever he's on a show like Graham Norton, he's got some anecdotes. Oh, hasn't the he? stories, mate, and he'll tell him in front of Ryan Gosling. Whoever he just doesn't care. You know, I like I like story. Greg Davis, and Greg so, yeah. Davis does make his, his the way he works the dynamics with the contestants on Taskmaster. Oh, and you and I both, it's we and I both agree. It's hearts. one of the best shows on TV. Oh, it's one of the only shows I will sit down and if, make sure I watch. Yeah, if anyone hasn't watched Taskmaster, I beg you to watch it. It doesn't matter who's on it because there's been some season where I've been like, oh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. About Ash and Alex, who Alex never watches anyway, we know yeah. that he never listens. I was trying to get them to watch it because I was trying to get them to have you. Well, you've seen it all, right? So the Joe Wilkinson potato in the whole oh, task. Mate, I was like, that this is, is one of the greatest moment moments the on telly. Yeah. You have to watch it. You have to don't spoil it for him it's, because it's Doc Brown and John Richardson for afterwards. Anyone who hasn't watched it, please just go and watch. Like, and it will get you into it. I promise. Watch yeah. the Joe Wilkinson episode uh, with the potato throwing. 
Yeah, and it's Doc um, Brown and John Richardson after and they I just, just love make Doc it. Brown as well, to be fair, Doc Brown's a legend. Yeah. But yeah, it, there's, there's never been a disappointing episode. There's always a moment in it where you start laughing. Yeah, always. Because kind of, oh, it's very clever bastard. as well, because as well as laughing, you're like, why are you doing that? Um, you start thinking, what would I do? Yeah, how the, would I do it? And the fascinating thing for me is how different everyone's approach is. I mean, you find out it that is. David Baddiel, for example, one of the very intelligent, very intellectual, the least practical person <laughs> on the planet. Yeah, and you just... I mean, there's something wrong in his head yeah. where... Because, okay, so there's a story about this. So there's an, there's an episode with Ed Gamble. I've heard him talking about it. And he said there was a, there was a lasso task where they had to lasso Alex... And okay. they said, and that was a, that was a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Sudden death task. What they call it? Tiebreaker task. Yeah, yeah. And then during the main filming, they said, oh, um, we're doing the, uh, the, we, you know, we're setting up for the, um, the NASA task. And he went, he said, but that was a tiebreaker. And then he said, the first thought he had was, oh, David Baddiel's fucked it. And it's, <laughs> it's so good. They've got to show it. And you know what it was? It was David Baddiel. He decided that the best thing to do, he's like, the best thing to do is put some weight on it. So he tied wooden spoons around the edge of the lasso and it was like, what is wrong with you? In what way did you think that helped? Because he did one, it didn't work. Yeah. And he was like, I need more. And it was like, there's something wrong in his head. But yeah, but anyway, loved it. And then my honourable mentions for comedy were Russell Kane and Joe Lycett. Oh, yeah, I love Joe Lycett. I must have been big um, fan. Love his show, uh, Joe Lycett's Got Your Back. He has some great titles, by the way. Ah, um, oh, what for his stage shows? That's like, the way. Ah, ha, ha, Joe likes it. Yeah. yeah, all that. Um, all of those, they're brilliant. And I just think, do you know what? It's funny. I was watching it, and uh, I said to my mum, "He reminds me of Julian Clary." Yeah, Camp. And my mum was like, "That is exactly Camp, but dry." Yeah, and he's just very quick-witted, fantastic yeah. sense of humour, very good on stage. And yeah, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, so big yeah. fan. And you've seen Russell Kane as well, haven't you? I have seen Russell Kane, and I love a few of his podcasts. He hasn't done them for a while, to be fair. Uh, but he did one called Boys Don't Cry, which was one that sort of, I suppose, spawned my desire to do a podcast as well, which was men talking about like real subjects that men just normally don't talk about. Yeah, like all and, the celebrities, uh, they, they would have a le- that kind of real called. deep stuff. No, but like it would be like exploring why blokes shag around. But we look down on women for it. Why men don't open up more? Why we're different when it comes to injuries? All sorts of things. Mm. And uh, and they would always have what they called the lady auditor who was in the room with them. So they'd have another female celebrity who would, if they started saying stuff them. about women, would be like, no, 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 no. Look, this is why we think X, Y, and Z. Or that's big or pressure. The, or to they would hear women. something and go, ah, us women want to fucking know about that. You know what's that about? So it was. Yeah. It was just a very good podcast. And like, there was even one where they had um, James Haskell, the huge rugby, the rugby player, player, on, and his missus on the same okay. episode. Yeah, I like James Haskell. It was really. Uh, yeah, I think he's hilarious. Um, but yeah, and he's brilliant on stage. So yeah, cool. Uh, you might as well do another one. I've, I've only got one left, so I can do it if you want. Uh, well, I've uh, I've just got a few. I did. Um, mm. A few in politics, and then I did three people I think that should be hated more. Okay, well, in which case, should I do mine, and then we'll finish up? Yeah, Okay, so this last one is a lady called Alberta Adele Jones. That name rings a bell. It might. It might well do. Um, She was born in 1912 in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Famously racist that you know this. Yeah, 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 I think I know this. On November 12th. She became, she became the first woman to pass the bar in Kentucky. Mm. Um, all the press showed up. 
Because she's a black woman as well, and all the yeah. press showed up, and she just said something along the lines of, um, if I'd have known it was going to be such a big deal, I'd have dressed up. <laughs> uh, passed it, anyway, you know, um, but she was huge in civil rights as well, so she did yep. a bunch of marches. As well as that, this is, I think, the most impressive thing that I was like, God, that's so brilliant. She she sort of saved up and went around um, fundraising and stuff, and she bought voting machines so that she could teach black people how to vote so that they wouldn't be intimidated when uh, they went to the voting so polls so that they wouldn't do. be doing it uh, incorrectly and their vote would count. That's brilliant. And I thought that was such a fucking brilliant thing. And it's my favourite thing that she did, you know, for all the... I was like, that's the... That's I mean, my that's, something, that's, that that's a done. subject I'd like me and you to talk about in future anyway. Obviously not to go into now, but is... We'll take a vote on it. ...in terms of... Do you know what I did there? Yeah, I did. I just chose to ignore how shit it was. Wait, let's see if this works. Bet it doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> One nil. Oh, fuck, I was going for crickets. I mean, in, in musical crickets... No, that was very fairy cricket. Mystically, yeah, like fairies. like fairy crickets who are into like want to tell well, you about I your birthday. Let's not start questioning the cricket sexual orientation, Jake, or its uh, sexual preference. Hey, listen, I don't I use say. those slurs. You don't need to call it a fairy. I right? don't use those slurs. Not on air. <laughs> as soon as we're alone, you love it. I do. You tolerate it anyway. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, yeah. Um, and basically, the whole thing is she was um, she died. Quite young, she was. Uh, so it's nineteen sixty-five when she died. So you do the maths. Or do you want me to do it? I'll do it for you. She was uh, what? Forty. Quick maths. Quick maths. No, a little bit older, but she. No, in fact, no, that can't be right. It can't have been August nineteen sixty-five. Anyway, regardless, she died. She died. It was ruled a suicide. She was found in the Ohio River. Um, however, there was a lot of blood in her car. Yeah. Um, suggested that maybe not suicide. Um, no. An investigation was opened years later that suggested that actually, yes, there had been a lot of police suppression of evidence. Obviously, they didn't, you know, this is a very white, racist police force. Yeah. They did not like her, the fact that she was a, and I bet she a woman, the fact that she was black, the fact that she was a thing, and, uh, and the fact that she was um, a civil rights yeah. activist. It, it was later determined that... that um, based on what happened, the reports have suggested that there were three guys who were all spotted very near at the time and very near afterwards. Um, and one of them was still alive, but nothing ever came of it. Uh, and it was it eventually went unsolved. Fucking cowards. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, this is the thing. This is the time when there were quite a few civil People activists were being bumped off. Civil activists were being bumped off left, right, yeah. and centre. If you if you were supporting black, black, I mean, right, if you watch you any documentaries black. on the civil rights movement, movements, and different periods across America and other countries, these people are never treated well. No, never. Um, and it's not a shock. It's never not sad to hear that someone like that got killed. Um, it's not surprising. No, sadly. And that um, you know, being bringing us down a little bit. Bring us back up. <laughs> so I've put... Uh, my, it's Greg Davis. My, <laughs> my three people for... I've put politics slash public. Um, I think it's mainly politics. Uh, James O'Brien. He's a yeah. uh, radio presenter on LBC. Uh, and I've listened to him for years. Um, and I just think he's brilliant. At, I mean, there's a reason why he never gets to interview 
anyone from all top politicians at all at any time because they don't want to go near him because he'll I'd rip them apart. He just he'll ask. He very cleverly uses their own words oh, against them. It sometimes it annoys me when I listen to him as it does a lot of people. Um, when you feel like there's perhaps he's being a bit unfair, but he has certain standards and certain things he won't allow people to get away with saying that someone says political correctness, he will pull them up. Say, so what do you mean? So what do you mean by political? No, correctness? and this is what I love about. I mean, I don't um, listen to him and I don't watch him a lot. But what when I've the bits I've seen of him, the one I really like is when he's talking to his listeners and stuff, and there's a disagreement, and they'll say so he'll ask them a question, and they go da, 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 and he goes, okay, park that. Let me ask you again. Yeah, and they go. Oh, no, no, no. He goes, no, park that. You still haven't told me. What? And he just yeah. will not let them get away with yeah, it. Yeah, if love some, it. and he, and he will say like, if you think I've been horrible to people, it's because I hold you guys at a higher standard that you don't deserve to listen to that sort of shit, basically. Um, and there's just very few people out there who. And I think he d- he, he does. has a phrase that he uses in every show. Well, I don't know if it's every show. I literally can't start the sen- start the thing about him by saying I never listen to him. But what he does say in every show, like <laughs> it's a bit presumptuous. But there's a thing he says in any of the bits I've listened to, yeah. And on the occasions that I've listened, contempt for the con men, compassion for the conned, and I think it's a great way to look at the world. You know, he doesn't, well, particularly with regards to the the Brexit thing. You know, he doesn't think you guys are, you know, ignorant dickheads for voting for it. He's like you were lied to. You were yeah. tricked into it. He's like, I don't, yeah. I don't blame you for it. He's I like, feel I don't sorry. Look down you know. on you for it, I, yeah. you know, because you were lied to. He's like, I hate the ones that tricked you, but I don't hate you yeah. for being tricked. But he's one of my favourite uh, people in the political world, I guess. Yeah, uh, the other that. one, the person who I think is warming to me more and Can more. Can I just say, by the way, there'll on. be so many people listening and being like, imagine the fucking lefties liking James O'Brien. Well, oh, do you know what, what though? He's not. Like, if he thinks someone on the left is wrong... No, he'll call he them. He will quite happily. So, like, if I, went, if I went on his show and started going, oh, well, James, well, political correctness, you know, and they're being... If I wasn't right and I didn't come correct, he would no, just he, as happily tear to me say, apart as... I, I have to say, he's um he holds himself up as a journalist. There was a reason first why... And, and, and he acknowledges his privilege. He begged for um Jeremy Corbyn to come and come on his show because he was like, look... If Jeremy Corbyn's going to be worth anything as a leader for the left, he has to be able to stand up to scrutiny. So if he can't come here and get asked yeah, very basic questions... Yeah, he was never able to stand up for scrutiny. And he wasn't capable of it, and that, that was one of the reasons why he kept doing it, was to be like, look, ultimately this guy is not right. So it's not just if you're on the left, you're all, he's automatically a, a fan no, of him. Shoot, them. anyway, sorry. Uh, the next one was, and I'm becoming more and more of a fan of him as time goes on, just because of how bad Jeremy Corbyn was. It's the Keir Starmer at the moment. Every, every okay. time I watch PMQ, just just off of this alone, I think for me is that at PMQs he will just keep going after Boris and he keeps asking the same uh, questions again. That he's, and he's not point. afraid to trip him up. He's not afraid to call him out on shit. Whereas I remember I used to watch Jeremy Corbyn against, like, even against Theresa May, who's like the driest person on the planet. He would just miss fire every time, and it'd be like Jesus, man. I don't um, think so he does. Arguably, I don't think he does enough outside of PMQs. That's pro- that's a fair that's a fair assessment. I would say There's, he's not. He comes alive on those Wednesdays, no doubt. Like, like, Any time I've then seen I it. think a part of that, I could be wrong. I'm optimistically thinking is COVID, because perhaps he doesn't want to be seen going up and down the oh, sorry up and down the country constantly. Because obviously, just on a COVID level, people be like, oh, he shouldn't be mixing with that many people. 
you know, so uh, the third one was, and it's more for his past actions rather than his current. Is uh, Russell Brand? I used to love his uh, show, The Trues. He did on oh, yeah, um, True News, True News, YouTube, and it just became such a big thing in terms of like he was interviewing Ed Miliband when he was running for PM. So like he managed to take this tiny little YouTube channel and turn it into this. It was something that was genuinely relevant. Russell, to the Russell Brand as well. Yeah. I really like. There's a there's a YouTube thing that I really like um, from the first We Feast channel called Hot Ones with Sean Evans. One of the greatest hosts of all time, by the way, second yeah. only to you and me. Obviously. And um he um he went on the show, nailed it, yeah. didn't didn't really sweat like you get so many celebrities have been like almost hallucinogenic. Did a little bit react, but this is a man who's done hard drugs for somebody's life. Yeah, he did yeah. react. There was a super van who ranks all of the episodes and the and the people, the guests. Russell knew about this going into it and he yeah, decided yeah. to serenade him on the channel uh, and he was like bread baker <laughs> and he's like and then he came and then he decided to come back and do it again yeah, during yeah. the pandemic again nailed it again yeah. sang to, to the super fan yeah, it was yeah. like I just fucking love the man I think Russell Brand's brilliant I just think um, and he wears what, obviously to be honest with what he got up to in his younger years there's nothing you can really hide from I guess but there's a lot of people like, and I'm not. This isn't me digging him out, but because I love him, Robert Downey Jr. It, it's not something you're ever going to hear him talk no, about the in drug, an interview. The drug or, prison past is um, kind of forgotten. Yeah, it's that never happened, pretty much. Um, so that's one of the things I respect about Russell Brand is it's very much on display. Do you know what I mean? Embraces it, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a better way to deal with it because then he can be seen as, oh well, look, there is another side to being an addict, whatever your addiction of choice is, there is another side to it that you can come through it. Um, and then my honourable mention, and it's not like, this is why I put public, because it's not so much a political one, uh, is Joe Rogan. Um, now this is an interesting one. I can't really comment on this because I've never listened to an episode or what. The only bits I've seen, I don't really like. That's so fair. I've um, the main reason I put him on there is because I've seen numerous different things from his podcast that I like. Things like he'll have people on that he doesn't agree with just because he wants to hear their side of it and understand oh. where their brain's coming on it. He'll go to task on someone if he genuinely disagrees with them. He'll, um, and he'll just, like, I don't ever feel like, you can get with a lot of hosts, and I don't think we're like this, where they try and impose themselves on the people <coughs> that's opposite them, and I haven't seen a sink Mentally or, or sexually? Uh, mentally, I would say. No, we're not or like even that. Just no, we're not like sure that. They're leading the discussion. Yeah, or, we're not like that. Um, Sexually, maybe, and, but that's um, not not maybe. not mentally. <laughs> but he, but again, even with some presenters, you feel like they're slightly intimidated by the person they're speaking to, and it, it doesn't. Well, seem it to takes matter. me to someone like um, Andrew Marr. Whenever I see him, there's and I just think it's, it's all I, you I just want it to be about you. Shit once, to be you honest. just want it to be about you. Um, Ask the fucking questions. Don't yeah. let them get away with answers. Yeah. You know, it's like. But yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's a different subject. You're not interviewing um, him. You're putting yourself forward and going, "Look how great I am." But also, he's done things like he's quite a big, muscly guy, and uh, there, there's been episodes where he'll like burst into tears on the podcast, and it's not like a big deal. I get in high helps. Um, yeah, well, no, in what, I'm in, not in one of them, I don't think he did because the other guy was teetotal for the month. So, like he respects what the other person's doing and it was just these two blokes they were talking about dogs they'd had throughout their life and when they were talking about how they died they were both 
ball in their eyes. And they're like full on crying. And But neither of them like made a big deal out of it. It was just sort of a, yeah, that was a nice moment. And I'd, I don't think you see enough of that. And I just No, think, I'll go for that. I feel like the space he provides with his podcast is very much one of openness and curiosity. I will say this, if Joe Rogan decides to promote this on his podcast, I like him again. I'm not going to take that away. But yeah, so that that was my last one. Um, and just to we should end for me, the people I think we should hate more. Number one, and it was really hard not to put number two at number one, but it's Piers Morgan. Yeah, he's I gone just, back to being a dick uh, now. There was a know, bit during the pandemic. No, you know what? No, there was... All right, yeah, I'll give you it slightly because I, I can't remember what it was, but there was something he did where I went, there is Sorry, actually guys. a nice bloke under there. But every, every, everything else I've ever seen of him just makes me go, oh, you're just morally reprehensible. Um, and his behaviour recently, because like, he dug out that uh, young tennis player, uh, like Raducanu. Emma Raducanu. Emma Raducanu, yeah. Um, and, and, uh, the, and Naomi Osaka in the same tournament. Yeah, and he, he dug her out previously and then was jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, he, he did the, the Olympics Open. thing. Now, I'll tell you what he is, though. He is a clickbait human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really disappointing. I remember listening to, funnily enough, mentioning one of my previous people, James O'Brien, interview him on his podcast. Um, I thought Piers Morgan would be... I thought Piers Morgan was more intelligent than he actually is. Um, because when him and James started arguing over something, it was like, no, you're genuine. You are clickbaity. There's no... There's no real no depth there, no. Uh, so yeah, I just think he's... Okay, number two, who should have been, who Bojo. could have been at the top? Bojo, yeah, Bojo. prick. Um, it, it's dangerous. It beggars belief to me how many people I still talk to who are like, do you know what? I think he's done his best, and it's like, oh. no, he absolutely. Well, hasn't. even if that's the case, you can't say his best is good enough. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the that's the argument. If that's his best, fuck then, me. I mean, yeah. Um, and then I put number three again, Dominic Raab. I just yeah. think, like, not enough people know how big a bell-end that man is. And I know he sort of had a demotion in the last week as of recording. Um, but, yeah, just a... Just a I'm going to say... Still deputy PM. Yeah, he's, if Boris dies <laughs> tomorrow... Fingers crossed. Dominic Rob. No! I don't, oh, I don't know. That's no, this hard, is the man. thing about this government from there's, our perspective is that there's a it's, no like, scenario. it's like, we'll get rid of him. It's like, great. Who's coming in? More well, shit. And this is the thing. This shows like the journey I've had to go on in terms of when I first got into politics because one of the reasons I voted to leave the EU, as ridiculous as this will sound, was because I heard that it meant David Cameron and George Osborne would be forced to resign. And then it was only afterwards I found out what that actually meant and what that actually meant was another Tory came in. In my head, because it I didn't be know, another, I was like, oh, there's another election. Another election. That's not how it works. Um, so, yeah. And then my honourable mention was Nigel Farage. I just, again... Nigel Farage is he? Is he not? He's not a decent bloke that you can have a point with. No, he's not. I, I, if I if he asked me to have a drink with him, I'd smack him round the face with it. Fair, I would. Uh, just not a nice person. Yeah, and uh, I think I what I like is that if if anyone who listens to the pod likes Nigel Farage, Dominic Raab, or Piers Morgan, or Boris Johnson. What Go I like about yourself. Nigel Farage is his popularity has waned so much that <laughs> when he slagged off the RNLI for helping. Fucking save lives, which is their yeah. job, by the way, their purpose for but their migrant lives and yeah. helping them save lives. When he slagged them off, they actually had a, a record number of donations. Good, and I love that. That's Good. how it worked. And I'm glad to hear that. That fucking is it. GB News. They're all a part of. It's falling apart by the sounds of things. Yeah, I saw a great. Uh, Let's hope that happens. I saw a great bit on Question Time recently, 
where someone was talking to Andrew Neil and he was like, well, about GB News and uh, Fiona Bruce went, okay, you, you know, you need to tell the audience what GB News is. He went, well, people don't know. She's like, well, according to the viewing figures, no, they don't. <laughs> and I thought that was a great, unintentional, because I, I genuinely don't believe Fiona Bruce has this in there on a professional level, but it was no. a great unintentional slam. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I've, I've, I quite enjoyed that, actually, to be it honest. Was it was like informative. Yeah, I really like the ones you brought in, to be fair. And I oh, thank you. No, no, and, and it was um, interesting insight into you and the way you see the world uh, and your your who you rank and why you rank them. Yeah, but the thing is, I tried, I, I don't know why, but when I sat down to do it, I even reread our messages of what we were trying to do. And that's what I came up with. And it was only towards the end of it I went... I don't really feel like I've hit the brief. <laughs> and then when I when you messaged me saying, "Oh, I've I've done the research and it's done and I've like done my list," I was like, "Oh, he sounds fucking confident as well." I was like, "This ain't gonna go well." But no, actually, it's been a really good pod and it's gone on longer than um, I was expecting. Lots of heroes, so, absolutely. Um, so, guys, as always, uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Uh, you can find us, Jake. Tell them where they can find us at the bottom of the screen and. At home normally, but well, yeah. um, on in terms of on the internet, um, OnlyFans. We're on no, we're on um, every <laughs> time amazing. I've got to mention it. Right, uh, we're on Crossing Swords underscore podcast yep. on Instagram at Swords Crossing on Twitter, yep. Crossing Swords on Facebook, uh, Crossing Swords on YouTube. You yep. can find us. We will usually occasionally post links on the other socials. So if you follow the other socials, you're in. Yep. Um, what one thing we really would um, encourage you and, and ask you to do if you have enjoyed these. What would really help us out is if you engaged with us um, yeah. online by leaving reviews where you find your podcasts, yep. by l- subscribing, by subscribing to the socials. I mean, even if you just scroll past every fucking thing we post, just subscribe to them. Yeah. Um, but if you do like the posts um, and give them a quick like, maybe a quick well, yeah, comment, share them. Even it's, if it's um, you don't want to share it, liking makes a huge difference as well. It gets exposed to more people. Like the engagements we've been getting on uh, our posts and pictures and stuff on Facebook in the last week or so have been really encouraging, as have our downloads, and that's all down to you guys, so thank you, but obviously... It means a lot. It does mean a lot, but obviously there's more work to be done. We we want to reach as many people as possible, and obviously the more people we reach, the better the quality will be, because with reach comes, you know... Responsibility. Responsibility, so it has to improve. Um and yeah, it's better for everyone. It's better for us because we feel better about doing it because... It's going well. It's going well. And obviously, yeah, the better it does, the better it is for you guys and for us. So, yeah. It means a lot. And it would mean it would mean an awful lot more if you... if you it, No, it, it wouldn't affect how much it means to us. It still means a lot. But it would mean a, it would mean a lot if you just went that extra step, just started liking the post, following us. I mean, like, look, I'll it throw it out there. The dream is for us to have our own studio someday. Do you know what I mean? Like, have our own room... Properly set up and yeah, our own sort yeah, of deck. Yeah, mics in one side, bondage gear on the other. Absolutely, fucking that Look, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, guys, again, thank you as always. Share, like, subscribe. Yeah, share it, review, share it, share it. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip flop. Much love. Mm-hmm.